0: Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm your host this week, Jamie Drent, as we discuss a pivotal weekend in League One, Inverness's mini-revival and Scotland's friendly double-header. As reliable as a comfy pair of socks, Paul Third and Andy Skinner flank me on duty this week. How are we, guys? Good, thanks.
1: Very well, thanks. Yeah, yourself?
0: Oh, all good. All good for another week of Northern Goal. Um, we're going to mix things up this week and start with with League One, with arguably the game of the weekend in Scotland taking place at Airdrie's Excelsior Stadium, where the league leaders Cove Rangers will look to extend their five point advantage over the Diamonds, who are their nearest challengers at the top. Is it uh, is it possible to to overstate the importance of this game?
2: Uh, for Cove, possibly. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a big game. Clearly, it's it's one where they know they go eight points clear at the top if they beat the Diamonds. Mm -hmm. For Airdrie, it's a must-win. A draw and Cove are still five clear, which is a a great position to be in. Lose, they know the SPFL will be looking out the blue and white ribbons. So I I think if if you're Cove, you're you're, you're quite comfortable going at this. If you're Airdrie, it's all or nothing.
1: And I suppose you you have to factor in as well that you know even if Cove do lose it they're still two points ahead, uh, which albeit you know Eardrey's momentum speaks for itself. But you know by by no means is this game going to allow Eardrey to to leapfrog uh, Cove. So uh, yeah, you you would certainly uh, from the Diamonds' point of view rather be in,
0: in Cove's position going into this one. That's uh, that's for absolute sure. I say something. Something kind of has to give between the, the two teams. I mean, Cove, Cove haven't lost in the league since since October, and Airdrie have, have put together a fourteen-game unbeaten run as well. Um, and I mean, if they extend that, if they extend the the lead at the top to eight points with with five games to go, even with the fixtures that they've got, you'd imagine that it would be Cove's to lose.
2: Then. Oh, I think I think so. I mean, it, it's it's one of those though that momentum has been with the league leaders for months. Of course, it's great if you're winning most weeks, but championships are won by picking up points on those days when you're not firing in all cylinders. And Cove have done that really well all season. Airdrie, to be fair to them, have done brilliantly to stay with Paul Hartley's side. But Cove's record has to end if Airdrie have any chance of winning the title. And we're just not seeing it. I mean, Montrose was a a huge one last week, and they've come through that with flying colours with another vital three points on the board.
1: I suppose a, another little twist to to this game at the weekend is the fact that I mean, this is obviously where Cove's dream last season ended. So, you know, I, I just wonder if going back down to New Broomfield might give them that, you know, just little spark and, and fire in their belly to to sort of draw on those painful memories and and look to, uh, you know, just show how far they've come in the, the space of twelve months by by making that real statement in, in pursuit of championship football next season. It would be. You know, it's just funny how how football can throw these subplots around sometimes, and uh, you know, any any little motivation like that that Cove can can draw upon. Uh, I'm sure Paul Hartley will be determined to to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, I think having spoke to kind of a few players and, and whatnot this season about that about that game that ended their kind of playoffs last year, it was it was a difficult one to take at the time, but it's it is a source of of motivation because of how it happened they weren't they didn't go down there and get comfortably beaten um they they thought they'd got through to the final with a goal in stoppage time and then <laughs> there was still there was still time for Edry to come back and level and then Edry found a found a winning goal in extra time and it was coming at the end of the period where they'd played umpteen games in a short space of time and were already short of players so it was one that was kind of desperately kind of disappointing to take but from what we've seen this season it's been um kind of so kind of calmly consistent you would say because there's not really been too many blips the last one was the East Fife game in October and it's been a steady um kind of steady progress since then um like Paul was saying when they've not been playing well they've dug out results they've drawn games they've kind of got they've got some kind of decent wins in there as well um and I think it's it's a similar um argument to I think what we had with um, what we've been saying with the Highland League um, the other day, where you've got say, Bucky Thistle and Fraser are maybe the top two at the top there, and Bucky could win all their remaining games and still not win the title. And it's the same here. Like, Airdrie could win all their remaining games and extend this unbeaten run, um, but still not win the title because cover in the position that they're in um, and have been so consistent. So it's, it's going to be, I think it is going to be a pretty... Like decisive weekend, I think Airdrie need to win. I think if if it stays at five points, I'd I would fancy Cove then to go and kind of see it out. But if and if Cove extend it, then I wouldn't expect them to be caught with with five games to go. Um, and they're also on this kind of weird um, stretch of games where they're playing four four on the bounce away from home, with obviously Montrose last weekend, and then they've got Queen's Park and Falkirk to come as well. So if they're to come out out of that kind of still with a healthy advantage at the top, you'd have to give them huge credit.
2: Uh, I'm with you all the way. I mean, if you ask anyone at Airdrie, whose shoes they'd rather be in, and they're going to say Cove <clears> every time. And, and ultimately, the short version is, as you touched on, Jamie, whatever happens this weekend, Cove's destiny remains in their own hands afterwards. And that's a position. If I was with one of those clubs, I'd want to be in Cove. The big one
0: draws 2-1 last weekend. And so at, at key times, you you got to rely on your, your key players to deliver. And Mitch Meganson and Fraser 5e, came to the fore again. And it's it's going to be great for Paul Hartley to be able to rely on guys like this that he knows can can step up and, and deliver when he needs them.
2: Yeah, I mean, they've got that blend. It's That's been obvious all season. and The, the thing about Cove, or, or any team that wins a league, is there are match winners throughout a team. Now, Montrose was a huge test last weekend, and they did, they came through it uh, with flying colours, a, a great result. And they're in the home straight now, that confidence has to be there with the run they're runner on, knowing that it's pretty much been in the league. Or if we're having an off day, we're still picking up a point. And as the finish line is drawn closer for the leaders, that confidence can only be building now.
1: And I suppose the other impressive thing, um, about that form, Paul, is the the fact that, you know, they've they've kept this momentum going at a time when Erdre have been, you know, keeping the challenge up. Um, you know, it can be very easy for for teams that are Pushing for a title and and perhaps look as if they're all but there to uh, you know maybe become aware of that presence creeping up behind them and you know as a result their form can drop off at this stage of the season. Um, I think that's what makes it all the more you know impressive that they've they've kept their own consistency and 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 you know maintained that that lead because you know had they had an off day against Montrose last week then would be, you know, looking at this particular game down at Airdrie this weekend in a, a totally different light.
2: I I agree. I mean, but look at the contrast with League Two, Andy, where you've got Kelty Hearts have been in cruise control for months. It's been theirs to lose <laughs> all year, really. Um and, and they're just quite happily cruising along and the title is going to Kelty. Uh, contrast that with Cove. They've had the diamonds nipping at their heels all season. And it's it's been a fascinating insight into how a team reacts when pressure is coming from those chasing them. Because Cove haven't wobbled, haven't faltered. They've just kept going, kept going, and matched Airdrie stride for stride. Airdrie have been in that fantastic run and they're still five behind. It's it's amazing. At the opposite end of the
0: table, um, we've also got to talk about Peter Haard who are in kind of desperate need of a of a win. It's four defeats on the bounce, one win in 12, and they've been kind of Firmly dragged back into this relegation battle in the mini league of three with uh, themselves, Dumbarton and East Fife. I think they're they're at home to Falkirk this weekend. And I mean, through the last kind of little run that they've been on, Jim McAnally has remained positive despite their kind of diminishing prospects in league one. I mean, do you feel that's been kind of the, the right approach to take?
2: Honestly, I, I don't know. <laughs> we've, we've heard of how well Peterhead have been playing. We saw them against Dundee in the Scottish Cup on the, on the telly, uh, and they didn't get the rewards that night either. But what we do know is that gap now between the Blue Toon and the playoffs is two points with six games remaining. That's a far greater pressure than what Cover facing, for example. I believe so anyway. I'm, I find myself, I know it's a big game this weekend, but I find myself looking at the calendar and I see that April 9 date is being the pivotal weekend for Peterhead because that's when Dumbarton are due up at Balmour. Really, the focus is to try and keep your noses ahead of Dumbarton and pretty much put it to bed in that date, or have the have the opportunity to put it to bed when when they come up to to Balmore in a couple of weeks. I mean, you say you,
0: you you do wonder kind of where the results is going to come from at times. I mean, the, when when they're playing kind of maybe as as well as they are, and they're not. Apart from, the say the, the two Cove games have not really been kind of taken apart in in any of these. They've kind of been narrow defeats, and the the luck or the rub, rub the green, however you want to call it, um, is not going the way. But then you make the you can make the argument that you you kind of make make your own look in these games. And I think Peterhead at all costs want to avoid um, not just relegation but the relegation playoff as well because I think the the record in playoffs is not great. Um, I know they went, the last time they went down to to League 2. From League 1, they went down in the playoffs after being beaten by Forfa. Um And I think the year after that, when they were trying to come straight back up, they were beaten in the playoffs by Stenhouse Muir. So I think any, if they finish 8th, and they were offered that right now, I'm sure, kind of Jim McAnally would
2: probably bite your hand off for that. Yep. You've took the words out of my mouth. That's the phrase I had going through my head there. saying <laughs> hi, 8th, and Jim will say thanks very much. Yeah. Pe- Peter had a. Uh, They've been. are a yo-yo club, for me. It's it's they're a top half of League Two, and up to about mid-table a League One, and, that, and that's purely due to the strength of the teams, which now seem to be in League One. I mean, the likes a Falkirk and what have you. It, it's astonishing. And if Cove go on the win the league, and you st- none of the three teams finishing behind them go up with them, that's still an incredibly tough division to try and get out of up the way to the Championship next year. So for Peterhead, staying, just staying in that league is, is where they, they need to be because I think that is their level. It, it's a different situation from Cove. Cove have got more infrastructure, I think. Um There's a, a bigger crowd. There's, I think there's, just, there's just more revenue coming in and they're building brick by brick. They're still on that upwards curve, I think, that you get from coming up from the Highland League where you've been so dominant. Peterhead have been in the SPFL and the SFL and everything else in between, whatever you want to call all these alpha, alphabet uh, associations <laughs> by this point. But they've been there a long time. It's it's a leveling out that comes after the, how do I say this, the the novelty factor of being in with the those more national known teams wears off. So it's just finding your level and making sure that you're competitive within it.
0: Peter Edelmeiss and Ryan Duncan this weekend. Um, as he's been called up for, for Scotland under nineteen duty in Hungary. Um I did uh, I think Jim McAnally did mention to me this week he, said he thinks it's the first time Peter Head have ever been without a player because of international duty. And I can't imagine there's too <laughs> there's too many teams in League One are in that situation. But uh, yeah, he's been called up for the triple header um for Scotland uh, after his impressive impressive form and loan at the Blue um over the last few months. Um, we'll move down to, to League 2, where there's six games left for for Elgin City. Um, Andy is our resident Elgin expert. Uh, what, should, what should they be looking to get out of these remaining six games? Also, I think it's fair to say it's been a little bit of a disappointing season overall, given the strong squad. But what what's left to achieve, do you feel, for, for Elgin? Um, if I look at the, the immediate uh,
1: aim, then I think it's to, to finally break that hoodoo that they've had against Edinburgh City. They're, uh, they're going this weekend for their uh, attempt, the, the 15th attempt to try and, and get the better of, of Edinburgh City, which uh, uh, stretches back to August 2018. So that's one that's kind of haunted them as the, the years have gone on since then. Uh, and it would be quite a good place for them to, to start. Uh, just when it comes to, to finishing the season, I mean, they've, they've actually strung a decent, Enough sort of run together in the last four games. Um, they were beaten in one of them by Annen by a, a late goal, but you know, draws against Kelty and Forfar, um, and a victory over Sterling Albion in that sequence is done enough to kind of just you know calm things down a wee bit after the uh, panic that maybe started to set in a wee bit uh, you know a month or so ago. But um, yeah, I mean they're they're just really playing for. For as you know, high up a mid-table position as they can achieve at this point, they drop down to ninth after uh, well, without kicking a ball, just due to the, the result last night. But they're uh, they're only two points off seventh, Stranraer a wee bit uh, further ahead in sixth. So yeah, they're just really looking to try and come out the you know the best of the the rest, if you like, uh, of of those teams that aren't going to be mounting a playoff challenge. And really just a case of of trying to to build that that platform of, of optimism really as they they
0: look into next season. I was saying the other day as well that Russell Dingwall, Thomas McHale, and Kane Hester have all now clocked up hundred appearances for for the black and whites. Is that are they kind of figures you would see as ones you could potentially build a a team around? I would say so.
1: Yeah. All all three of them have been, you know, very consistent and um, you know, been at the club for a, a few years now, um, signed on on long term contracts, along with you know various others, which I think makes it all the more puzzling as to, to why Elgin have found themselves in such a predicament. Because I mean, Gavin Price was so pleased with the the squad that he had assembled at the start of the season, and um, you know he felt as if there was an understanding that had developed there over a period of time and. Uh, you know players that really understood and, and knew what you know gavin was trying to do um in his in his style so yeah no it's obviously collectively been a, a really poor season but uh i think you know you still look at players there as being capable of you know taking elgin up the league if they can maybe find some some fresh faces just to to sort of boost things around and about them um the three of them uh, do look to be you know figures that they can they can count on in in the long run but uh, interestingly I suppose in regards to Thomas McHale would be the the form of Daniel Hoban who's come in actually in, in the last few weeks I think Thomas missed out on one game through work commitments and Daniel came in and, and played a, an outstanding game after that uh, which has resulted in him keeping his place and uh, you know, he's he's really kicked on in, in the last few weeks with a, a couple of man-of-the-match performances. So, um, you know, I think it's maybe a, a sign on that one in particular that, you know, nobody is assured of their place. But, uh, you, you know, I think there is obviously a stability that's needed with, with Elgin, just, you know, given how difficult it can be to recruit players. And, you know, when you've got, you know, a settled squad that you can build around, then, you know, it really does go... Uh, you know some of the way to, you know, helping the, the the team to perform
0: on a consistent basis. Well, I'm sure we'll see in the coming weeks how uh, how will that all plays out for for Elgin. Yeah, that's it for for part one, and in part two, we'll move on to Aberdeen, Inverness, and Ross County.
1: Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village, with memberships to suit all ages. Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information.
0: Welcome to part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. Uh, I should start by saying that we're recording this on a Wednesday morning ahead of Aberdeen Women's homecoming game against Rangers at Pittodrie. We'll discuss it properly on a future pod, um, but stay tuned to the PJ and even Evening Express websites for all Sophie Goodwin's excellent analysis. Um, the men's team were impressive in the three-one win over Hibbs last weekend, paired Lewis Ferguson penalties and Vicente Bezoan's well-taken strike. Paul, is that the sign of a corner finally being turned under under Jim Goodwin?
2: Can I come back to you after they've been to Dens Park <laughs> next weekend? <laughs> <laughs> look, look, Aber, Aberdeen played well. Uh, they dominated the game and they deserved their margin of victory. Uh, but on the flip side, of, I have to counter it by saying Hibs were atrocious. Honestly, they're, they're so poor. It's amazing. Um, the defence is improving from an Aberdeen point of view. The speed of play and the tempo is noticeably better. And the return of Marley Watkins could not have been better timed, clearly. In terms of Jim Goodwin's desire to inject more creativity, Marley being fit and available is going to be vital in terms of what Aberdeen are going to do between now and the end of the season.
0: Conor Barron, um, he's someone that's obviously, um, I think, caught a lot of fans' eyes and maybe kind of further afield as well of late. I mean, how impressed have you been with him? He's gone from, what I think he was Brecon City last season and then Kelty Hearts this season so he leaked two clubs to to now being a premiership regular it's been some i think it's some story obviously for for one of the clubs own academy products
2: it is and it, it, honestly it's you can't miss him cuz he's like a a wee Tasmanian devil at times he just seems to <laughs> wear about the pitch at 100 miles an hour and he'll challenge for everything for a wee lad he, he's he's got the heart of a lion i'll give him that um, but he can also play a bit too uh, clearly he's a big talent he's he's one to watch for sure but I'm I'm a bit weary because there's been so much plaudits and praise coming his way. Rightfully so, but I it's just don't I don't want to put too much pressure on him just yet, uh, because the dips will come, like the one we saw at Tynecastle where he, he just really had a a stinker. But he wasn't alone that night, and it's how he reacts that's going to dictate whether he stays in the team long term. He's certainly doing a lot of things right overall, though, um, and I do like the energy that he and Ross McCrory have given the midfield because uh, the they flip side of that too is it's freed up Lewis Ferguson to be more involved and he certainly was as involved as much as you would want him to be We're getting two goals at the weekend.
0: Well that's it as well and I mean Aberdeen have never struggled for an abundance of central midfielders yeah. <laughs> over the last what, five, six, seven years. Um, so to have another one kind of thrown in there coming through the the academy, um, it's going to obviously give Jim, Jim Goodwin a good headache but as we mentioned with McCrory before about him potentially being like a cornerstone of the of the kind of the Jim Goodwin era at Pitsodry, I mean, could you see something similar with with Conor Barron If, like you say, it has freed Lewis Ferguson up to be a, to kind of play in a more advanced role,
2: definitely. I mean, it's it's interesting because just now we've been seeing the old four-two-three-one from Aberdeen, and Barron's one of the two sitting um, with McCrory or, or Ferguson, depending on what, or, or McGeoch, even depending on how Goodwin wants to set the team out. But Barron's always been one of that two in front of the back four because he's so willing to come and take the ball from the centre-halves and start the play. And he'll ping balls about uh, all day long if you let him. But the other two, McCrory and Ferguson, would be his midfield enforcers on his behalf, almost. And I think that's just so much energy and drive. It's I, That is the biggest thing that stood out for me in Saturday compared to what we've seen in previous games. And it's no coincidence it's come... After the manager has had the benefit of having two whole weeks to work with his squad, they look to be a much more cohesive, a better understanding. And I keep coming back to tempo. It's the, the, what it was my biggest criticism of Stephen Glass's Aberdeen was it was so slow that they were possession based and and they passed the ball about, but they never really got at teams. It was almost like, well, we'll just we'll keep it, we'll keep it, we'll work it, we'll go left, we'll go right, we'll find a, a gap somewhere, and then well, we have got picked off and we're one nil down. That's For me, that's how I would reflect on the, the previous manager, certainly in the last three months of his, his tenure. Now I'm starting to see something that offers me a little bit more cause for optimism. I'm just hoping that these guys are, are going to be part of it, because certainly that's, they seem to be the best three that Jim Goodwin's got at the moment.
0: Obviously, without a game this weekend due to the international break, Um, but they've got Dundee and Russ County before the split. Two points off fifth and a European place, despite being in in tenth. I mean, can you begin to kind of make sense of this season? (laughs)
2: Oh dear. Um, This has been the most competitive season I've seen in years it's also probably been the poorest. There's a lot to be said for being disciplined and organised. That's the reason why Hearts have sewn up third place ahead of everyone else. They have had both qualities, while other teams have been erratic, to put it mildly. Aberdeen, by their their recent standards, uh, will be runaway winners of the Underachievers Award come the end of the season for me. Uh, For the quality on paper in that squad, they should be up, up alongside Hearts. For, in my view, but there's been too many have been poor for long periods, and it's left them scrambling at this late stage. I'll give them their due if they pull a rabbit out the hat and finish fourth, that's fantastic. But they shouldn't be in the position they're in at the minute, in the first place, really.
0: Absolutely, it'd be some turnabout for for Jim Goodwin to come in t- like two, three months before the end of the season and manage to get the team into into Europe. Um, given the given where they've been languishing for
2: for most of the season. He'll be going in my contacts book as Ethan Hunt if he pulls this one off. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. If, if you'd said to me a couple of weeks ago, top six is Aberdeen are going to win the last three games and get in the top six and then go on to clinch a place in Europe having not one in 10 in the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's, it. That's, that's where they're at. So if they can turn it around from that scenario to one the end of season with them in fourth it's incredible
0: we'll uh, we'll move along to to Inverness at the minute who had a well <laughs> an outstanding end to the game last weekend they looked to have reignited the season um with a 3-2 win against Wraith Rovers um they initially looked to be reverting to type uh, by trailing when they were trailing late on at uh, Starks Park but Logan Chalmers scored twice at the end of the game um to make it Back to back victories for, for the Cali Jags. Um I mean Andy, this this look these kind of last couple of games, obviously they beat our broth as well. Um, this looks like it's kind of it could have a, a real galvanising effect on their prospects at the end of the season. Yeah, to you know, to
1: beat two sides that are up there at the the top end of the table is you know a huge boost for them. And particularly as you touch on, you know, the the manner of, of this one against Wraith Rovers as well. Um because it yeah, to to, to lose out against you know ultimately nine men would have been a, a you know just a new way to 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 suffer disappointment this this season <laughs> they've uh, they've explored most of the others but uh, uh yeah uh, you have to really pay credit to to the way that they've they've managed to grind Wraith down um over the you know the course of that final 20 minutes because the I mean the Ben Williamson red card was right in the uh, the depth, of, depths of stoppage time, um, but you know they were playing against ten um, after Kyle Benedictus got sent off. But uh, the two finishes from Logan Chalmers were were both outstanding. Um, both kind of from the same part of the uh, or, or the same sort of angle, really, uh, bearing down towards goal. Um, the first one in particular, just a an unbelievable strike. So you know, really good to get that kind of uh, end product from a player that's arrived on loan and, you know, hasn't had much luck in terms of getting a a run or a sustained run of of games behind him. Um, And, yeah, they they look now towards the final six games with, yeah, completely fresh kind of optimism given, you know, that they've they've plucked six points from their their last six. And, uh, you know, there is you know tangible signs of of something now to to really go and build towards in in the form of
0: those playoffs it seems to me with the amount of kind of attacking players that billy dodds has been throwing on the pitch it's it's almost like they're just kind of going for broke now after the the kind of the dire run that they're on it's kind of like well we've got we've got nothing to lose now we've we've pretty much <laughs> we've pretty much hit the nadir of our season with the the one i think it was the one win in Dece- since december or the no win since december but the, the amount of attacking players that, are now, that have now contributed over the last three games sorry two games and been getting on the field it seems like they're, they're saying like look let's just go for it and just see what happens ah it's going to be entertaining that's for sure um <laughs> I, I, I mean I touched on Logan
1: Chalmers there you know that that's obviously the the impact that you know I would expect uh, you know he'll be remembered for uh, should he go back to to Dundee United in the summer. Uh, you know, to score twice in the last minute to turn a defeat into a victory is, uh, you know, fairy tale stuff. But uh, you know, there are a number of others that you know are still kind of waiting to have that 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 kind of you know groundbreaking moment with with the Cali Jags. Um, I look at the likes of Austin Samuels and Joe Hardy, who are yet to get off the mark. Both players with with a good pedigree that will be desperate to to sort of make uh, an impression. And uh, obviously, Samuels is signed permanently, but. You know, Joe Hardy's come up looking to uh, you know, get game time and, and, and get on a good, good goal scoring run. So, you know, they've all they've, they've got a number of players that are looking to to prove a point and uh make an impression, which I think can only bode well for them uh, coming into this uh, you
0: know, important stage of the, the season. Yeah, they've got the they've got the bottom three in their next four matches, plus the leaders Kilmarnock, um to start at home against Dunfermline on Saturday. I mean it's to me it seems like it's a it's a great chance to try and build some momentum ahead of the the playoffs. Definitely. Um
1: yeah, because the message will be that you know you've beaten the at the time the league leaders and you know you've risen to the pressure of a uh you know a must win or must not lose game against your closest kind of rivals in the table. Um you know it's two very different ways that they've they've won in the last two weeks. Equally as impressive, and on both counts, there will be that frustration uh, that had they found this form a few weeks earlier, then you know there could have been the the green shoots of recovery in in their title challenge. But you know that's that's realistically gone now, and uh, they've got to kind of forget about what's gone before. And, and And yeah, the the task now definitely is to to try and get into those playoffs. Um, First and foremost, get the you know the best playoff position they can get. Uh, I would say second is still looking a bit of a, a push for them, but uh, you know, with a couple of wobbles from our growth, uh, you know, and if they're able to capitalise themselves, then they might be able to um, you know reignite that one. But I would suggest time is running out. Uh, however, if they can finish in third place, a good number of points ahead of the likes of Partick and, and Wraith. Obviously, Partick are uh, suffering a, a bit of a downturn just now as well. Um, you know, then that's, that uh, you know, as best a, a preparation they
0: can aim for really going into the, the playoffs. Over the Kissick Bridge, Ross County were beaten 4-0 at Celtic last weekend, um, but they still kind of remain in the hunt for a place in the top six. Um, obviously, with their, with them having a break as well, Andy, would you feel that they're kind of, Relatively happy with, with where they are just now? Yeah, I, I think, as we touched on last week,
1: I don't think anything really was going to drastically change for them off the back of, you know, most likely losing this game on Saturday because, you know, they, they had built up a, a good position. They were sixth going into the game uh, and they're now seventh. They, you know, have got form behind them prior to the trip to Parkhead you know they've lost one one game that everyone kind of expected them to but you know the it's not as if it's taken them completely out of the you know the chase for that top 6 uh, in actual fact they're they're right in the, the midst of it so with with two games to go against Hearts at home and and then that that final game at Pottery on on the 9th You know, it's not going to be wrapped up any time before the the ninth one way or the other. So, you know, the the focus will be very much the same. And I'm I'm sure, you know, parts of the defeat on on Saturday will disappoint them. The the goals that they lost were uncharacteristically poor. Uh, You know, a lot of set pieces in there and just a a lot of uh, kind of disorganisation at times. But, you know, they've got a couple of weeks now to... Revitalize themselves and and get prepared for for these two games that uh, that it's ultimately going to
0: come down to. How significant achievement do you feel it would be to uh, to make the top six after the said the, kind of the first couple of months of the season that they had? Very much so.
1: Yeah. Um. I, I mean we we've touched on it before that they were four points adrift after ten games at the foot of the table without a, a victory, and at that point, you know, any any survival would have you know been a uh, an accepted outcome, I would, I would suggest. But, uh, yeah, I mean, put into to context where Ross County have been in the last few years since they've come back up to the, the Premiership. Uh, you know, they've, they've finished 10th in both seasons, um, take away the, the championship season that they had where they obviously got promoted. Um, you know, they, they'd been relegated the year before and, and kind of s- scrambled their way to safety the, the year before that. So it's, it's actually 2016 since County last finished in the, the top six. It was the same season they won the the, the League Cup under Jim McIntyre. So, you know, that, that feels like a, a long time ago. It's it's a different era, really. Uh, so it would be, a, I think, quite a, a worthy way of, of this Ross County team, you know, giving the fans something uh, current to, to really celebrate and celebrate you know just have a create some fond new memories uh with a a team that they've you know over the course of the season become more and more kind of uh you know accustomed to to enjoying watching it's it's been you know a really good experience for the county fans particularly at home uh to to see some of the the flair that they produce on on a weekly basis and uh you know obviously there's no chance of any any cup success this season so you know, the top six is that that one way that they would be able to to, to sort of put that down in in writing and, uh, uh, you know, prove that that it has been a a good season for them.
0: Absolutely. And that's it for part two of this week's episode of Northern Goal. In part three, we'll move on to Scotland. Welcome to part three of this week's episode of Northern Goal. Um, and Here we're going to be talking about Scotland who face Poland on Thursday night at Hamden Park and then either Wales or Austria in another friendly next week. Um, For North football fans, there's obviously Lewis Ferguson in the squad, but also a maiden call-up for Ross Stewart, who has 22 goals this season for Sunderland. Um, He joined the Black Cats from Ross County at the start of 2021. Um, and it's quite the journey, I suppose, um, for Ross from the non-leagues to Ross County and now the international scene. Um, I see Andy; you'd kind of watched him kind of a fair bit at, at County as well. I mean, it's it's amazing progress. It's it's fantastic. It's just a, a wonderful feel-good
1: story and a real inspiration to to any player, I would say, uh, in in the lower reaches of Scottish football. And I even look back to his early days at, at Ross County. Uh, I mean, you, you spoke yourself, Jamie, to, to Stuart Kettlewell earlier this week. He was obviously part of the management team with Stephen Ferguson that signed him. And, you know, at that point, he wasn't a particularly well known player at, at St. Mirren. Um, I, in fact, I remember I phoned Stephen Ferguson when, when they signed him and. I think I was under the impression that uh, they'd signed the goalie Ross Stewart, who's who's now <laughs> on the books at Hearts. I, I was I was asking Fergie if if one of the goalies had come down with an injury, and he's he's saying no, no. We've um, we've identified this this tall, quick and mobile striker that, uh, that you know is struggling to get a game at St Mirren, but we we feel like we can do something with him. Um, and it was no easy task for him coming up to. To county at that time, obviously they had been relegated, but you know there were established strikers at the club. Billy Mackay scored twenty that season. There was Brian Graham there, who's always been prolific at uh, at, at that level and and above. Um, and I, th- I think they had Declan McManus, who was in and around the, the squad at that time as well. So yeah, no, it, it took him time to to get you know a good run of games and and get up and running. I think um, the the thing that really, you know, brought him uh, or announced him to the the scene, as as far as the county fans are concerned, would be a a good run of derby goals that he scored against Inverness that season. There was one in a December game, uh, just coming up for the new 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 Year time, a, a late winner in a, a game which Inverness had dominated, um, and and that was a, a bit of a groundbreaking moment for him and. There were quite a lot of important derby matches, both in the league and the cup, towards the end of that season. And Stewart seemed to score in just about every one of them. So he he kind of went into the premiership season uncharted territory for him, but in a really good place. And he completely embraced that step up um, to the point where it seemed inevitable that there would be a, a move uh, you know, beyond Dingwall for him. Um, so it's it's great to see how well he's done down at Sunderland, which is a huge club, and as we've seen in in recent years, not everyone has been able to to sort of handle that expectation down uh, d- down at the Stadium of Light. So uh, you know, brilliant to see him on 22 goals for the season, and uh, even though it's League One, I, I would suggest uh, you know just given the upward trajectory that he's on just now, that you know this call up is richly
0: deserved for for Ross. Is there any other players in the that have been called up to the squad that you would you would like to see get an opportunity? Guys, Ryan Jack is back involved after kind of being out for the best part of a year through injury. Um, it's kind of been a key part of Steve Clark's plans in getting to the Euros last year, but then missed out beforehand. Um, given that there's not a competitive fixture this time, it may be the it may be the chance for one or two players to. To
2: state their own case for, for a regular place in the side? Well, for me, I'd chuck them all in. <laughs> That's a, I'm just like a, yeah, I'd, I'd give Ross Stewart a game. I'd give Craig Hulkett an outing. An out I'd give Aaron Hickey a run out as well. I've always been in favour of using these games to see what your options are should you need to call on guys later uh, down the road. And June is looming large. And if, if say, this game had been actually, against Ukraine tomorrow. We're going into it without Andy Robertson. Lyndon Dykes' hamstring is iffy. We don't know if he's going to be involved. I think there's been a lot of doubt in Dubai about that one. Um, And you would have been looking, well, what's, what's my other options? That's why games like this, when you don't have that pressure, it's not a competitive fixture. You should be making the most of it. You need to get a balance on that pitch at Hamden, of course, but there's no good reason why these guys shouldn't get a run out, is there?
1: Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. It's it's the time to experiment. And one uh, position that I've been looking at for quite some time now that that I see a wee opportunity to do that in is actually in goals. Because uh, you've obviously got Craig Gordon, who's well-established as the number one, rightly so. He's been fantastic in, in the last few months. But, um, you know, as, along with him, you've got two uncapped goalkeepers there. Um and it's only taken the withdrawal of David Marshall uh, through injury for that situation to happen. So, just in in the interests of succession planning, I think I, I would really like to see uh, either Xander Clark or, or Liam Kelly. Uh, I've probably seen more of, of Xander over the, the years, but um, just you know, a, a wee sign of of what life after Craig Gordon might be like, uh, you know, with regards to that number one position, uh, because you know, I think we need to get somebody sort of just up and running and, and comfortable with that that environment uh you know given you know the the fact that Gordon's in in you know the latter stages of his career uh he's still performing brilliantly but you know he's, he's certainly not going to be around for forever so uh that that would be the, the position I would I would look at really uh for either or both of these coming games
0: it should be a good acid test as well you'd feel for for Scotland coming up against someone like like Poland um and then Either, either or from from Wales or for Austria. Obviously, they beat, they've beaten Austria um, in the in the qualifiers as well. Um, but against, I'm sure the Wales game, even if it is a friendly, and if it is them that they end up facing, it should be a, a good uh, a good atmosphere anyway.
2: It's a couple of tasty games, actually. I mean, Poland are a good side. If we, if we focus on the tomorrow's game, first of all, it it'll be really tough. But we should be feeling confident after the performance against Denmark. That feels like a lifetime ago. By this point, I have to say, but that was the best Scottish display I've seen in years. Yep. They went after a team who had been in fantastic form, uh, international level, and they just dismantled them. It was terrific. It was honestly the bet. The bet. I can't remember the last time I watched a better Scottish display than that one. So more of that, please. And I'm we can give any team a game.
0: Absolutely, and uh, ten pounds from every ticket sold for the. Poland game will go to UNICEF to help their aid efforts in Ukraine. Uh, Scotland were due to play them in the playoff for Qatar 2022, which at this stage has been pushed back to June uh, from this month. Poland were also due to play Russia before their suspension by FIFA and UEFA. Uh, So hopefully there's a good turnout at the game on Thursday night and as much money as possible is raised. That's all for this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thank you to Andy and Paul for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you. If you'd like to leave a review or rating, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will catch you again next week.
1: Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.